I don't know about you, but I've enjoyed the service so far. God's so faithful. He just comes in and meets with us and loves on us. It's awesome stuff. Praise the Lord. Well, are you believing with me? Because you should. But I do have good news for you. You're not limited to what I know. You felt the Holy Spirit here a little bit ago. He's still here. He can tell you stuff I didn't say. He can show you revelation in the Word as we read it way beyond any understanding I have because you're not confined to my knowledge. Remember in John in 1 John 2, it says the anointing which you have received. It's truth. It only tells the truth. It's no lie in it. And it'll teach you all things. Now, we still need everybody to do their part. But you don't have to completely rely on me. So if you would, would you all stand for just a second? We're going to release our faith for utterance, that it comes through, that every question receives an answer, that every need is met. And so if you would, just believe with me. Father God, we thank you so much for your presence that's already been so mighty and strong in this place. We thank you for it. We rely fully and completely on your Holy Spirit as it teaches and guides and directs. Lord, we yield to it. I ask you to guide my mouth and my tongue and my mind, Lord, that I would stay fully focused on you and directed by you and every word would be appointed for this time and this season and this group of people. Give us eyes to see, ears that hear, a heart that's open and receptive to you. Help us, Lord, and enable us not to be forgetful hearers, but that we would be doers of your word. And it's in Jesus' name we ask it, and we thank you for it. Amen. Glory to God, you may be seated. Praise the Lord. Well, I've been excited all day. And uh, I'm believing not to just run right to the end. I'm believing to let you all kind of catch up with me. So, praise the Lord. We're going to start out in Galatians chapter 5. And we're going to start with verse 6. It'll be in the King James first. Glory to God. It says, For in Jesus Christ neither circumcision availeth anything, nor uncircumcision, but faith. Faith. How many of you like faith? Glory to God. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. So if you want to please Him, you need faith. And what that's saying is it doesn't matter about the outward. It doesn't matter about the works. What matters is faith. But which worketh by love. So it really doesn't matter how much faith you have. If it doesn't have this part activator called love, you can have all of the faith in the world. Remember in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, it says, Though I have all of these things, prophecy and gifts, and though I have all faith. Well, if the word all means all everywhere else, if you have all faith, the Word of God says, without love, it's nothing. I'm nothing. That's what we're going to talk about. We're going to talk about childlike faith. And God loves you. And those two, I know they sound kind of separate, but I'm hoping by the time we get done, you understand how closely weaved together they need to be. Because this Word says that your faith won't work without love. It says it has to have it. If you go to the Amplified, it says, but only faith activated, energized, and expressed and working through love. Now, I don't know about any, anybody else. Uh, when I was a kid, I tinkered with a car or two, and I liked doing the body work. I thought it was neat. And so... I got to work with body putty. And you may not know anything about it, so I'm going to explain a little bit to you. There's this big tub, a gallon can of body putty. 
And you can smear it on anything you want and wipe it right back off. It won't ever harden. It won't ever be useful. It'll never do anybody any good. And if you pull the lid off the top of this big jug of body putty, there's a little bitty tube. It's the activant. And you take a big handful of body putty and you put it on a surface where you can mix it up and then you take just a little bit of the tube and you feed out on it and you stir it up. Now it's usable. Now it can function. Now it can work because you put the other ingredient in. Well, faith is just like that. You can have all of the faith of the world. You can have studied and you can read and you can understand and you can have every definition and you can, you can have your mind so full of faith and the Word and be no good to anybody until you add love. You stir just a little bit of love in there and everything changes. Now you can put that body putty on a car. And you can level it out and give it a few minutes and it'll heat up. And it'll just get hot to the touch. So hot you can't hardly touch it sometimes, depending on how much activant you put in it. Glory to God. Same way with you. When you put a little love in you, you get hot. You can help people. You can do stuff. You put a little bit of that love inside of you and your eyes become a window that people receive from. They can look at you and all of that other stuff goes away. Doesn't matter what they've been through the last days or weeks or months or years, you can walk up and shake their hand and go, Glory to God, I love you. I've been thinking about you. I just wanted you to know that God loves you too. Now, what's going on with you? Nothing. All of that other stuff just went away because the love of God that flows through you changes people. It changes stuff. Their life will revolve in a different circle at the presence of the love of God. Glory to God. The uh, NIV in that says, it says faith expressing itself. Well, most of us, we won't really notice faith that's not expressed in love. It really won't show up. You'll notice it in your life. You'll be believing for something and standing and doing all you know, and it won't happen because it's got to have an activator. Now, the reason we're talking about childlike faith and God loves you is because you really can't have faith until you know He loves you. You can't believe for something until you know, and I'm going to get ahead of myself already, until you know that He loves you and that it's His will for you to have it. Um... Well, let me go to a scripture before I get way ahead of myself. Luke chapter 18. Verse 16 in the Living Bible. Then Jesus called the children over to him and said to the disciples, Let the little children come to me. Never send them away, for the kingdom of God belongs to men who have hearts as trusting as these little children's. And anyone who doesn't have their kind of faith will never enter the kingdom's gates. We've got to have childlike faith. There's over and over in the Gospels. How many of you read that chapter just the other day? Glory to God. We always read our chapters, right? When I was reading it, it kind of hit me a little bit, and I was looking at it and thinking about it and thinking about childlike faith, and then I found out we would be doing this, and I was like, praise the Lord. And then as I was studying, I didn't know exactly where we were headed. 
And I just kept coming back to God loves you. But the childlike faith you can't have unless you know God loves you. Um, my daughter, when she was little, she always just really enjoys this. You see her face just light up, turns red. But when she was little, I would, before she could walk, she would lock her legs out, hold her hands down, and I'd put her in my hand, and I'd walk around with her, and she'd be standing in the palm of my hand with both of her feet. And one of her favorite things, which just startled and scared everybody else, was she would get this little giggle. When she did, she would lean. And I would grip her feet, and she'd fall, and I'd bring her back and stand her back up. And she thought it was great. And so I would hold her up, and I'd hold her feet, and I'd grip her feet with my hands. And we'd walk around, and I'd put her above my head or whatever. And then there would be this little giggle. <laughs> and then her toes, her weight would go to her toes, and she'd start trying to fall forward. Well, that let me know I needed to have a good hold. And this little giggle was a saving grace for me. Because I'd be walking around with her, and I'd hear that little chuckle, and then bloop. I'd swing her back up, and she'd stand up and laugh. And she did that for years. What happened? Over a period of time, she started hearing other people. Oh, that's going to that's gonna hurt her. She's going to die. You're going to drop her. You're going to have this. All of those thoughts started coming in. And it clouded the love trust she had for me. She started believing the scared sounds. She started believing and hearing people gasping because they were afraid. She wasn't in any danger. I had her. Everything in me would have to go away for me to hurt her. Our God is so much bigger and greater than that. And childlike faith is when we stand there no matter what happens and we know He's got us. We're firmly fitted in the palm of our Father's hands. And no matter what happens, He's got us. That's where faith can come. Now, many times people think, well, faith that works by love, that if I just walk in love with others, and yes, it's true, you should, but it's not by and entirely in that. For you to even walk in love with others, you have to know God. He that knoweth not God doesn't even have the capacity to love in 1 John. It says if you don't know God, you don't even know love. You can't love somebody. You can't walk in love unless you know love. 1 John says God is love. And so to be able to have faith and have it activated, we have to revert back to this childlike faith. Now, my daughter took that to all kinds of levels of trust. I'd set her on the table and she'd stand there and she'd giggle. And I mean, if I wasn't looking, it didn't matter. She would giggle and run to the edge of the table and bail off. And I'd catch her and set her up and go, you have to make sure I'm watching you. And so she, as she got older for a, quite a few years, she would still do that to the point that if she was up pretty high and she got scared or startled at something or kind of froze up, I'd go, hey, jump. There wasn't any look. It was just trust, knowing I got her. And she would just turn and let go and bail off, and I'd catch her. God promised if you'd trust him. And bail off. He'd catch you. But we get, me, (laughs) in the past, we get afraid and we bail. But we still got one hand holding on to something. We're like, okay. 
I can't quite reach you. Could you come over here? And we don't fully trust in His love. We don't fully release the other stuff. In my life, there's been so many times I was believing for something. And I've stood and stood and I read scriptures and I, I, I went to the Word and I listened to preachers and I listened to all of this stuff. But when it didn't happen, it boiled down to I had a lot of head knowledge, but I really didn't believe God loved Rob enough to carry it out. He, I didn't believe he loved me enough that no matter what kind of lame brain stuff I did, he still loved me enough and his plan was still the same. I was talking to somebody the other day and they were dealing with some stuff and the Lord helped me a few years back in healing class. The Lord had showed me that when we head to a point and God tells you to go to a place... That's your focus. That's the only thing you need to pay attention to. And I got some revelation of it, a little bit, not much. I still don't have all of it, but I got a little more the other day. And what he was showing me, and I used in healing class Branson's area, but for down here, if God told you to go to a particular place in Tampa and gave you the street address and you started driving there, your destination is that address. Now, on the way there, you're going to see all kinds of other people. You're going to see other roads. You're going to see signs. You're going to see potholes and curves and turns and exchanges. And you're going to see all kinds of stuff on your way to this one address. Now, every time you saw a sign, if you went... Oh, I think that's it. And you turned. Would you ever make it? So when you're driving and you've got this one address in mind and you're headed to it, you have to stay focused on that address. You can't get sidetracked at looking at all the signs and other roads and going, Oh, maybe that was it. I probably missed something. I probably missed something. And if you get yourself worked up thinking, I missed it. I missed it. I missed it. What happens? You missed it. You'll miss your turn. You'll get focused on something else. You'll be slowing down. The other traffic will be mad at you because you'll be so in tune to missing it that you're not confident that they give you good directions and you have the right address. Well, with God, the destination for you is still the same. The outcome is already set up. And he's got ministering spirits. He's got people around you. You're going to make it. Amen. He's not going to let you unless you choose not to follow him. Amen. He's not going to let you get off course. Amen. He loves you so much. How many of you know he used a donkey in the Bible? If God loves him so much, he made the donkey revert from the angel. And he made the donkey talk to him. How much more can he bring people to you to change your direction, to help you to see clear, to help you to understand your outcome? If he tells you, just like Paul, he told Paul, you're going to be my ambassador, my witness to kings. Well, he gets on a ship and it almost goes down and it's days in a storm. And Paul knows he's going to live. Why does he know he's going to live? He hadn't fulfilled the work the Lord had told him to do. He had not got everything done yet that his calling was, and the Lord told him, you're going to go here and you're going to do that. All of the signs look like we're dying. They're throwing tackling. They're throwing stuff off the ship. They're dying. They're sick. They're throwing up. They haven't eaten in days. They're going through all of the signs of we're dying right now. And Paul's going, no, no, no. I haven't accomplished what God called me to do. The ship may go down. You all may die. But I'm not. And then he told them, all right, you didn't listen to me, but listen to me now. The Lord says... 
No life's going to be lost. The ship's total. It's gone. But we're all going to live. That's the love of God. That's the assurity, the childlike faith that I'm going to accomplish everything He told me to do. And when you don't know, if you don't know what He told you, go back to the last thing you know you heard. There was a man, uh, it blesses me so much. There was a man at a, a church we used to sing at. He was an older gentleman, and uh, we would go and set up sound and sing, and he would, he would be there, and he'd be shaking hands at the door. And the story behind him was he went to that church as a young man, and he walked in, and there was nobody there. The service was going. Everybody was inside. He walked through the door before the service. He walked in. Nobody said hi to him. He found him a seat. He sat down. He went through the service. The Lord dealt with him. He got up. He went home. He come back and he was telling the Lord, I don't want to go back there. Those people are not nice. They're, nobody even said hi. Nobody shook my hand. There was nobody around to even acknowledge that I showed up. There's nobody. They had this whole service without me. And I sat in the little corner and tried to look at somebody and tried to see if anybody even noticed I was there and they didn't. So the Lord said, no, you go back. So he goes back. Same thing. Walks in. They all walk around him and go through. Nobody talks to him. Nobody says anything. He goes into the service and the Lord convicts him and he goes to the altar and he gets saved. Still, nobody really talks to him. He gives his life to the Lord, and the Lord told him. He gets home, and he's like, I don't want to go back. And the Lord said, no, you're going back. He goes, well, there's nobody even at the door when you come in. He goes, I know. That's why I sent you there. He said, you're going to stand at the door. And you're going to make everybody feel welcome. And we were there years later, years later. And this older man still at the door. And if you ask him, why are you still standing here? You could do anything you wanted in the church. You've been here for this long. You can do. He goes, that's the last thing God told me to do. And when he tells me something else, I'll do it. But until he tells me something different, I'm going to stand my post. And I'm going to make every person that comes into this place, no, we love them. Amen. And that they're welcome. Amen. Glory to God. Amen. That has blessed me <laughs> so much. Because there's so many times God tells us to do something. And we think, well, Lord, I could do this, or I could do that, or I could do something else. I'm as guilty as anybody. And we got this better idea. But he told you to do something because it's a divine appointment Amen. for you. Amen. And if you be willing and obedient, you'll Amen. eat the good of the land. Amen. You don't know who you might be ministering to. Amen. Remember the story of Ananias? Whenever uh, Saul was on the road and the Lord met with him and he was struck blind. And they led him into this little town and they, the Lord told Saul, a man named Ananias is going to come to you. And he went to Ananias and he said, hey, I need you to go talk to Saul. He goes, Saul? He's the one that's killing all the Christians. Ah, uh, no, no, no. There's got to be something else I can do. He's like, no, no, you need to go to Saul. He's blind. Oh, praise the Lord. At least he won't know who I look like. <laughs> so Ananias is like, wait. He, he kills him. Not just them. He goes and rounds up all of their family and their friends and everybody that knows them and he hauls them off to kill them. That's the Saul you want me to go talk to? And the Lord's like, yeah, go talk to him. And so Ananias, even though the job probably wasn't one he, he chose, it wasn't one that he would have signed up for. It wasn't one that he thought he had a calling for. But the Lord told him, you go there and you talk to, Anna, or talk to Saul. I already prepared the way. 
I've already talked to him. He knows you're coming. So he goes over, they meet, the scales fall off Saul's eyes, he becomes Paul. And now we have so much of the New Testament because this one man stood his ground, did what the Lord told him to do, and now the gospel has many more chapters. Amen? Because of one man who did what the Lord told him to do. Praise the Lord. How did we end up there? Child-like faith. Go to Ephesians chapter 3. Ephesians 3 and 16. That he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with might by his spirit in the inner man. 17. That Christ may dwell in your heart by faith that ye being rooted and grounded in love. Verse 18 may be able to comprehend with all saints what is the breadth and length and depth and height, 19, and to know the love of Christ which passes knowledge, that you might be filled with all the fullness of God. Go to verse 17. I think it's in the Living Bible. Let me see. Yeah. I pray that Christ will be more and more at home in your hearts, living within you as you trust in Him. May your roots go down deep into the soil of God's marvelous love. I really like the way that is worded. The more we trust in Him, the more our roots go down deep. Now, there's two reasons for deep roots. One, that's where your supply comes. That's your life flow. That's where everything you need grows and comes from is those roots. So when it's dry, if your roots are deep, you're the last one down there to get water. Remember in Psalms, the uh, first chapter, he'll be like the tree planted by the rivers of water. Verse 3, that his leaves won't wither in the dry times, that he'll always have his fruit come forth in its due season. That's because the roots are deep. The roots go down so far in the love of God that it doesn't matter what's needed, it's supplied if your roots are deep enough. The other thing you need for your roots to go deep is if your roots are deep, it doesn't matter how strong the turbulence gets. What you go through and what the turmoil is, your roots are deep and they hold you firm. And the wind can blow and the storm can come and your roots are deep. And they hold you steady in place. And you're able to stand. And you're able to come through trials because your roots are strong and they're deep. And it doesn't matter how strong it blows, the love of God is still inside you. The love of God is still strong in you and you can look through the symptoms, through the signs, and you can see where you're headed. You can see the goal that's up ahead and you know He loves me. And it doesn't matter what I'm going through. It doesn't matter where I've been. He told me to do this. And He's going to do anything it takes to get me to where I'm supposed to be. If He's got to send ten people to get a hold of me and help carry me, 
he's going to send 10 people. If I get down one day, he's going to send somebody by and they're going to say, Rob, what is wrong with you? What are you thinking? God loves you. Get up. Let's go. Because he loves us that much. He knows and he's got a good plan. Glory to God. The thing we've got to watch out for, one of the things, I keep seeing, God, I don't know if God does this with everybody. I may be the only one that gets this particular avenue. He shows me a picture of something or somebody or something, and it'll tell me what I, where I'm headed, what I'm doing. And he'll show me something, and it'll, it'll let me know he's talking about a particular instance or a particular thing he dealt with me about. Right now, he's showing me my son's dog, Bo. And he's showing me this image of Bo. Bo's a great pet. He loves that boy. If I walk up this morning, I went up to, to wake him up. Carrie was up there. I shook him. Bo comes up and he's right there by me. What are you doing? Are you hurting him? Are you bothering him? Making sure everything's okay. I'm just going to make sure. And if you shake him very hard, he'll jump right up there by you. Like, whoa, whoa, whoa. That, that okay? And he'll watch Caleb. And if Caleb gets upset, Bo gets more aggressive. And so he's protecting him. He's watching out for him. And so this morning, he got up there and I was shaking Caleb and he come up. And uh, I was laughing. I said, well, go ahead and show him. You need to wake him up if you don't want, you know. And so I rubbed Caleb's. I said, right there's his nose. Well, Bo jumps up and licks Caleb's nose. <laughs> and Caleb covers up and rolls over. But Bo loves that boy enough that even me coming to Caleb to shake him or to do something, he's right there to protect him. He's right there to make sure, okay, I just want to make sure this game's all good. I just want to make sure Caleb's okay with it. Well, how many of you have seen a mother cat with her kittens? Those kittens... They're growling and hissing, and, you know, they're not this big. But all the hair's up, and, and they're being all big and mean, and, and they're swatting at stuff like they really got it going on. But mom's over there by them, and mom's watching out for them. And when they get to where that movement's decent, mom will go get a mouse. And mom will get that mouse and all but kill it. It's got one twitch left in its leg. And she'll bring that mouse out and she'll set it in front of that kitten and go, and that mouse will move once and the kitten will swat it. Well, the mouse is all dead. That kitten, he thinks he's done it. Man, I have killed the mouse. Look at me. And the mom's like, yeah, baby, you did good. Look at that. You killed it. You did it. Look at you. You are the cat. And so this little kitten gets a little bigger. And now it's got a little more attitude. He's a little more sure of himself. A little less fear than before. Because now he's more confident. He knows mom's there. And he knows he defeated one that had a twitch. So now mom brings him another mouse, and this one's got two or three twitches left, all but dead. No way can this mouse hurt her baby. But she brings it out. She's like, oh, yeah, you're bad. Here, kill him. So this little kitten puffs up and attacks this mouse. Well, it's all but dead anyway. But it had a couple more twitches than before. So this little kitten really thinks he's done it good. He really thinks he has, he has just taken this thing. And mom's sitting back, oh yeah, baby, you good. Man, you, that's the second one. 
That one was even bigger and badder than the first one was. And so this kitten gets puffed up, puffed up, puffed up. Well, mom keeps bringing mice in. And they've got a little more life in them. And a little more life in them. And a little more life in them. And in the instant she brings one in that's got a little too much life, and it strikes back at her kitten, mom goes, pop. Now the kitten can handle it. The reason I'm telling you about that is that's exactly what God does for us. He gave us an ability to handle any situation. And He stands off to the side and He only allows stuff to help us grow. And when we get ourselves into a stupid situation, (laughs) He's there to bail us out. All we got to do is ask for it. Now, we go through stuff, not the will of God. We do stupid stuff. I do. And none of that's the will of God. None of that was the plan of God for my life. It was just I got myself in a situation that I needed help with. But God's always there to take what little life out of that mouse that we can't handle so that we can overcome it. And every time we have a faith victory, we get a little more bold. We get a little stronger. We get just a little more of the knowledge and the revelation of just how much God loves me. We come through a trial and we look back. Remember Brother Moore talked about uh, recognize, recount, and remember. I don't know if he, how long ago that was, but if you've listened to it, It talks about we need to recognize the past things he's done. We need to recount them. How did they happen? How did they go through? And we need to remember God brought us through it. We need to recognize and recount it and remember it because it builds us up. We saw that with David before he went and fought Goliath. He went to the king and he said, Who is that uncircumcised Philistine? All your men... They're cowering. I don't know if you noticed, but he's a nobody. He's a nothing. He's got no covenant. And he's over here mouthing my God and my Lord. And I want you to know I can take him. And the king's like, you are a redheaded little kid. Go home. Take care of some sheep. But he had to be so convincing that Saul, who was above normal stature, a big man according to the word, he's actually entertaining the idea of sending this kid to fight a man that Saul himself is scared to go and meet. Because David is so confident. He's, oh no, I can take him. I got him. Let me go. (laughs) Haven't you seen the little cartoons where the He's like, I got him, I got him. And somebody's holding the back of their shirt and they're just running. I got him, I got him, I got him. That's what I picture with David. David is ready to go. And he's raring to go. And he's like, I'm going to go. And they're like, wait, 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 wait. He's going to tear you up. I got to go get him. I got to go get him. No, no, come here. Come here, boy. We got to make sure this is right. No, no, he's going against my God. And so he's ready to go. Finally, they're like, okay, okay. He's going to go whether we let him go or not. We might as well send him with blessing and we might as well arm him. So they put the the mail and all of the armor on him. And David, this little kid, he can't even walk. He's like, oh yeah, this ain't going to work. So they get rid of all of it. And then they take David with his little sling and a little bag with some stones in it. And he walks out to face him. Now, when he was talking about going, he didn't say, I'm just going to go kill Goliath. He said, oh, no, I take care of my daddy's stuff. And, you know, one day a lion came and got one of my daddy's sheep. And I went out and I grabbed that lion by the beard. And I killed him and I got that sheep away. And then a bear came out. And I went out and I slew that bear and I got my daddy's sheep back. 
This uncircumcised, no covenant man, he's going to be just like that lion, just like that bear. I am well able to go get rid of this guy. Let me go. I don't need anything special. Just give me what I got with that lion and what I got with that bear. I can do it. And he did. Because he knew who God was. He knew who God was to him. And he knew and remembered what God had done in the past. And he said, this is just one more day in the life. And then Saul, he's supposed to get his daughter. You remember the story? He's supposed to get his daughter and he tells him, I need a hundred foreskins from the Philistines. David goes out and he goes, a hundred? Man, she purdy. She were two hundred. So he goes out and he gets two hundred and he brings them back and he gives them because he's confident, knows who he is, and he knows the love of God. Glory to God. That's the way we are. That's the way we're created. In the garden, Adam was that way. Adam was confident. He walked and he talked with God and he knew God and they talked on the same level. And then Adam fell and man got away from it. And then Jesus came. Jesus came because the love of God had got skewed like my daughter's whenever I was holding her in my hand. People got to hearing, well, yeah, maybe not. Well, not always. Well, not every time. Well, that's big. Oh, yeah, I don't know. I don't know if God can do that for you. I don't know. You did this and you did this. Man, I don't know that you can believe for that. And so it got skewed to the point they really didn't know who the Father was. And so Jesus came. And he said, I came not to do my own will, but the will of the one who sent me. And over and over he said, if you've seen me, you've seen my Father. If you listen to me, you hear my Father. Because I only say those things that are pleasing to Him. I only do what He tells me to do. And so He came and He showed us God. Not a lawful God. Not a God that strikes you because you break the law. But a God that loves you in spite of it. When we're believing for stuff, so many times in my life, I'll pray for something. Oh, Lord, heal this, fix this, and I'll pray. As soon as I get done, the enemy will bring something up to me, and he'll go, you didn't put this in the right order. You left out that one part. You didn't charge ministering spirits. You didn't do this. You didn't do that. That's legalistic. It's not God. But the enemy will tell you, oh, no, you got no reason. Man, you had doubt. Man, you were divided. If anybody divided, they can't get anything from God. Now, he planted that division in you. And he put a thought in your head that, oh, wait. And that one thought, then he bails right in on you the moment it crosses your mind and goes, oh, no, no, you're divided. You can't have it. That's not true. It's not true at all. Yeah, the word is true. If you're divided and you are fully divided, it won't come to pass. But just because the enemy brought a thought into your mind to cast doubt, that's not you. That's not your heart. That's not the inner part of you. God sees your heart. When you go to him and you ask for something, how many of you got kids? They don't always say everything just perfect. They don't even, they don't go about everything in the right order. But the moment you understand what they want, you want them to have it. Otherwise, every baby that's born and is hungry would be dead by now. I'm buying that bottle. You want them to have it. They don't know, they don't have a clue how to ask for a bottle in a language you understand. 
They got no clue how to tell you I need changed. They got no clue how to explain to you their belly's upset. But you love them enough, you try everything till you figure out what they're saying. Well, God, he doesn't have to try everything. He knows your heart. When you ask for it, he is trying to make it come to pass. And all you got to do, the word says, a mustard seed of faith. Knowing he loves you. You add that mustard seed of faith to the love of God and boom, things happen. Things are done in your life. When you're in need of stuff, the biggest hindrance for my life is condemnation. When I go to believe for something, the enemy is full of it. He'll come at me, well, remember you, you kicked at the dog or you walked over this or you didn't do this or you didn't do that. And all of these barrage of things come at me to try to get me to condemn my own heart so I feel unworthy. But it's not the will of God. Your kid just came through. They just kicked the dog. They just did all of this stuff. They come through. I wasn't even talking about you, Ryan. And they come through and they do all of this stuff and they get there and you know all of the stuff they did. You can see it on their face. And they go, but I really want this. As a parent, you go, yeah, don't do that other stuff here. Have this. The other stuff isn't the important part. The, the important part is they know you and they know you love them enough that they come and ask, that they come to you for help, that they come to you in a time of need. That tells you they trust you and they know you well enough to come. There's many, many people, kids on this planet, they don't go to their parents for stuff. They don't have any inkling that their parents love them, that their parents care for them, that their parents take care of them. And so when they're dealing with stuff, they don't even go because the love isn't there. But it's not like that with God. He loved you. Remember John 3.16. He loved you so much he sent his only son. And he sent his son into the world while we were yet sinners to die for us. Because he loves us. Go to John chapter 17. <clears throat> While I'm talking, it's almost like you can hear somebody go, well, yeah, but that was then. Yeah, but that was the disciples. Yeah, that was Jesus. So I want to take you to something. John 17 and 23. I in them and thou in me, that they may be made perfect in one. And that the world may know that you love me, you've sent me, and that you love them as much as you love me. Now look at that in the Living Bible, verse 23. So that the world will know you sent me and will understand that you love them as much as you love me. Let's... Uh, Where is that? Let's go to the message. No, it's the Living Bible. Sorry. Verse 20 in the Living Bible. John 17, 20 in the Living. I am not praying for these alone. He's talking about the ones that are with him. <clears throat> I'm not praying for these alone, but also for the future believers who will come to me because of the testimony of these. 
This is Jesus. How many of you think when Jesus prayed, answers came? Right? Well, this is Jesus, and he said, I'm not praying for these alone. I'm not praying for the ones I'm looking at right now. I'm not praying for the ones I see. I'm not praying for the ones that are on the earth with me right now. I'm not praying for just them. I'm praying for every believer in the future who will come to me because of the testimonies that are going to be written in the book. We've been reading the testimonies of these believers and we've came to him. And we've got the word of God that Jesus is praying for us. He's praying, go on down to, where is it? Well, go to 21. It starts out, my prayers for all of them is that they will be of one heart and mind, just as I, as you and I are. Now go to verse 23. That they would understand that you love them as much as you love me. This is Jesus. This is the Son of God. This is the one who paid the price for you and I. He's the one that came and gave his life for us to be able to make it. And he's telling us there's going to be something coming. The testimony of these around, you're going to get to hear beyond today. And every person that hears and believes on this testimony, I want them to know my God, my Father, my Dad. He loves the believers to come as much as he does me. He wants everything for you as much as he wanted it for Jesus. I keep looking at everybody and I'm trying to figure out how to word that to where you understand just how huge that is. You know, that's why I, I like reading in John. John had a great understanding of the love of God, probably more so than anybody else. I was reading through it, and I kept seeing love, 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 love. So I went through, and out of 92 times in the King James Bible that Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John used the word love, John used it 56 times. Then if you go over to 1 John, he uses love a bunch over there too. So much so... He didn't even call himself John in the gospel. He said, I am the disciple that Jesus loves. I'm the one he loves. I'm the one that lays my head on his chest when we're eating. I'm the one that's crawled up in the middle of him every time there's a break because he loves me. And I get to sit by him. I get to talk to him. He loves me. And so John, all through there, he talks about God and his love. And he says, I, he's wanting you to know how big God's love is. Paul's trying to let you know how, how the depths of it is, how big it is, how huge it is, how much he loves you. Paul went from destroying people of the Christian faith to helping them because in a moment he noticed God had a call and God loved him. And he, to do the things Paul did, you have to know God loves you. You have to know he's going to be there. You're in the middle of the water in a shipwreck. You've got to know God's with you. Glory to God. Well, that is exactly the revelation that John had. You know, he lived a long time. He died in his 90s. Most of the other ones died way before that. But, but John knew God loved him. He got dipped in a vat of oil and came out, didn't die. John knew the love of God. And he's talking to us. He's trying to get us to understand. You know, Jesus told us, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. 
And I got to be with him. I got to lay my head on his chest. And I want you to know I heard him pray for you. I heard him pray. I was there and Jesus prayed for you. And he prayed for you because he didn't even know you personally yet. So he prayed for all the believers that are going to come. And he said, I heard him pray and I want you to know I was there. And when he prayed, you were specifically mentioned. And Jesus prayed for you so you're going to make it. You're not going under. You're going over. You're not going to be defeated. You're going to come out on top. The love of God is going to encourage you. When you're down, somebody's going to come by and they're going to say, I love you. Come on, let me help you. Come on, get back in the fight. It was so great when I played ball and there was two or three people that were around you that really encouraged you. You miss a shot, they're like, oh no, you got it. Take another one. Take another one. No, no. And they're there to encourage you. They know you've got it in you. And they're just trying to draw it out. Well, that's what John's doing when he's writing. I know it's in you. I've seen it. I've seen Jesus. I've seen what he's prayed for you. I know he put it in you. I know he gave it to you. I know God the Father loves you. I know he sent us. He made me write this down so you'd have it for years to come. So that when you're discouraged and when you're down and out, God can rise up in the spirit inside of you and you can be triumphant. In all things victorious, every need supplied, every disease healed and gone, that that is within you. There have been people that full of the Spirit have put in their blood diseases. And at the drop of their blood, the disease died out. Because in the blood is the life. And the power of God works through every one of you. When you believe, the needs are met. When you believe, the symptoms go away. We're not moved by what we see. We're only moved because God gave us a goal. God gave us a vision. He gave a call to you. He said, you're going to do this. And until you fulfill it, your time's not over. Nothing could move you. Nothing should move you. You should be able to step up and go, oh, no, no. I haven't finished my course. It is impossible for this shipwreck, this tornado, this whatever to hurt me and take me out. It's impossible because I haven't finished my course. God gave me a plan and he told me what the end sign was and all of the signs that pass by on my road of life, they don't mean anything until I get to that one. When I get to that one, then the fulfillment will come. Then the the joy will be fulfilled. I'll get to see things that God's got in store. Dan's talking about that. There's so much stuff that God wants for us. But we've got to get off of the bench. We've got to get out in the game. We've got to be willing to, to stand and willing to talk and willing to show others and willing to be a part. You can't sit on the bench your whole life. You can get into heaven that way, but you can't get all of the good stuff up there. You can't get the crowns and you can't get all the jewels and you can't get all of the stuff to throw at his feet. You can't get all of that and sit on the bench. And God's paid the way for you to bust heaven wide open and go, Hey, I'm here. And everybody in there know the works that you had in your life. How many of you know when Paul got to heaven, all of those that are in there are like, Hey, brother Paul. Look at here, Paul. This is Paul. He wrote a lot of the gospel. This is Paul. Everybody knew him because he did mighty works for the Lord. You are loved just that much. And God's got mighty works for you. And how many of you know Ananias, when he got there, they did the same thing with him. They said, oh, yeah, you went and you talked to Saul. Glory to God. That was big faith. You stood up in adversity and you went and you talked to him and you went in his house and you defeated that fear and you came out on top. Glory to God. Stand to your feet. I want you to say something with me. It went all through me last week when his brother Moore was talking. And I want you to say this after me. God loves me. me. And he's faithful. faithful. He'll do it. it. 
He'll sustain me. He'll keep me. Spirit, soul, and body. Glory to God. I want you to remember it. You've been given a measure of faith. Enough to handle anything that comes. Because God dealt to every one of us a measure. And we're adding knowing that He loves us. And when we add that, that chemical will work. It'll heat up in your life. People will come up to you and they'll know something's different. They'll know something changed. Whenever you mix that body putty with that chemical... It changes. The appearance changes. The heat builds up. The whole chemical structure of it changes. And now it's workable. It's usable. That's you. God has a plan for you. Glory to God. What are we singing? We could do your love lifted me again. That's, that's fine. Yeah. Yep.